You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word that gives us life, as Anna's been singing about. And I pray that these words would not just be information, but you would minister healing to us, and we would be restored, healed, made whole, and that we would have your wisdom that you would pour out your wisdom upon us and we would live in your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your love toward us. Thank you for grace. And I'm asking for your grace to be poured out this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's message is entitled, The Cross Heals. Amen. The Cross Heals. Heals. And this is number three in Your Healer. And we've been talking about this subject of healing for the last three weeks. And we're church in the city today. Hallelujah. So we're the church in the city. Now, well, if you can put your hands on your hearts and pray along with me nice and loud with conviction. Dear Jesus, Jesus. speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. 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 And welcome to everybody online and at home. I know Peter, the Taimani family is at home, so good to see you. And everybody online, welcome, welcome. Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. This is our main passage or beginning passage for today. Do not become wise in your own eyes. This is my own translation from this week. Uh, Do not become wise in your own eyes. Instead, reverence Yahweh and turn from evil. This will heal your core, restoring your insides like medicine and refresh your body. Let me read that one more time. Do not become wise in your own eyes. Instead, reverence Yahweh and turn from evil. This will heal your core, restoring your insides like medicine, and refresh your body. So the theme this morning is God's wisdom seen on the cross heals your spirit, soul, and body. God's wisdom seen on the cross heals your spirit, soul, and body. And we began to talk about the cross last week. We're going to talk about it more near the middle of the message uh, this morning. But first, we're starting off in Proverbs. The book of Proverbs teaches us that wisdom brings healing and health. So one of the themes, you'll find it throughout Proverbs, is that wisdom brings healing and health. 
Now, sadly, modern medicine divorces the teaching of biblical wisdom from healing. You don't go to the doctor and get prescribed the medicine of fearing God <laughs> and turning from evil. You know, you go to the doctor, oh, you know, I got this problem, and the doctor doesn't say, well, I fear the Lord and turn from evil. But that's what Proverbs teaches us. Now, as Christians, we are still thankful for every good thing modern medicine has given us. We're thankful for every good thing that modern medicine has given us because there is also a lot of Christians that work in the field. And even if they're not Christians, God can guide and give them wisdom as well. But what we're bringing out here is what the Bible uh, teaches us and how the Bible sheds more light on healing. The ancient Jewish mindset that wrote the scripture saw wisdom and health as one. So wisdom and health went together. Wisdom, that is God's wisdom, and healing went together. Embracing God's wisdom meant deep healing. Healing for your spirit, soul, and body. Uh, a restoration that went into the very skeletal structure of our being. So one of the things that comes out in Proverbs is when it talks about healing, and it's hard to translate it, but it's a healing that goes into your bones, into your skeletal structure. Uh, and that's what we find here in Proverbs 3, 8, uh, which is translated, refresh your body. But it's, it's going, it's like soaking into your very bones. So today we're going to continue our journey on healing by first looking at Proverbs. So let's look at this. And also I want to remind you of this, uh, one of our scriptures. This is the infographic, your restore infographic, Exodus 15, 26, that says, and he said, this is God speaking, Yahweh speaking, and he said, if you actively listen to the voice of Yahweh your God, if you do what's right in his eyes, and that's one of the things I want to bring out today, if you do what's right in his eyes, point to your eyes, eyes, yeah, the eyes there, if you do what's right in his eyes, and then if you compare that with Proverbs 3, 7, it says, do not become wise in your own eyes, so we need his perspective, we need to see things from his eyes rather than from our own eyes. If you do what's right in his eyes, give ear to his commands and watch over his written word, then I will not set on you all the sicknesses that I placed on the Egyptians. Why? Because I am Yahweh Rofecha, the Lord, your restorer. The one, I am the one who heals you, making you whole. I am the one who heals you, making you whole. So this is like our foundation text for all these, this whole series. Happy birthday, Allison and Eva. This is uh, first before we get into it. Happy birthday to Allison and Eva. Allison turned 18. And where is Allie now? Where's Allie? Did she step out? Huh. Oh, well, happy birthday, Allie. She's turned 18. <laughs> How about Eva? Where's Eva? Happy birthday. Eva is officially a teenager. Eva is officially 
a teenager, so happy birthday to Allison. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- <laughs> That's right, a lot of discernment there, usually. <laughs> I feel like Eva's been a teenager for a couple years now. <laughs> She's been growing quick. And I took out Allison for breakfast uh, this week, and we had a lovely time. So I'm proud of our two girls. So our first point is this. Number one is this. Wisdom heals. Wisdom heals. Hey, Allie. Uh, just, we'll go back. Happy birthday, Allison. Allison just turned 18. Now that she's 18, she has a mind of her own. So... <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Allison, and I'm proud of you and the young woman you're becoming. As well as Eva, I'm proud of you and the young woman you're becoming. Hallelujah. Wisdom. Wisdom heals. So this is the first point. Now, I want to... Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, we just read it, but I want to put this in context here, and you'll, you'll recognize the context of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, starting in Proverbs 3, 1. And I have it up here so you can read it along with me. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. You can put in there my child or my daughter. Uh, It's not trying to leave out anybody. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, shalom, that's what it is in the the original, they will add to you. So it's saying here that not forgetting the teaching of the Lord, uh, having it dear to your heart, and keeping the commandments, it adds length of days and years of life and shalom. This is true deep peace. They will add to you. So we see that the word of God makes us healthy, getting right down into our bones and getting into our heart, as we spoke about before. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. So this is important for healing too, kindness and truth. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find find favor and Good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him or know him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing. This is that same the, the word here is rafa. That's the, the root of the word refut. Uh, it comes from rafa. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So then let me read that again. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. So notice the deep connection between the heart, which is your spirit and soul, and your body. 
there is a deep connection in Scripture between the heart and your body. And we're talking about your spiritual heart, your soul. And then notice how it says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Honoring a good father's teaching and commandments brings length of days, years of life, and shalom. It brings wholeness and completeness. And this, is, this implies that you're being taught scripture, that a good father or mother is teaching scripture, and they're teaching you to trust Yahweh. Now, it's interesting as we look at the commandments, there's 10 words that the Lord has given us in Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy, you find it too. And honoring your father and mother is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is long life. Uh, The promise is long life. Now, we'll get to that point soon. So I'm going to, let's read that in... Exodus 20, 12, it says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So it talks about our days being prolonged by honoring our father and mother. And then if you go to Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Paul says, uh, he starts off by saying, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So it's the first commandment with a promise. And what's the promise? So that, it may be, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. The promise is so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So this connects to what we've been talking about in Proverbs chapter 3 too. The promise is long life. The promise is wellness. The promise is health. And Jesus taught that honoring your father and mother was not just about the kiddies. <laughs> I don't hear uh, much here. But it's not just about the children. It's not about the, just about the little kids. Adults are meant to honor their father and mother too. And this applies to both our physical parents and those who spiritually care for us. And we can see Jesus talking about it with the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 1 through 9, which we won't get into. So for an adult, honoring your father and mother does not mean they control your life, but it does mean you carefully weigh up what they say. You respect them from the heart. It means you pray for them and you help them. And this command of honoring your father and mother has to do with both physical, natural parents as well as spiritual leaders, fathers, and mothers in the Lord that are training you up. So when you honor your father and mother, it brings, it imparts wellness and life. And it's interesting, too, that sometimes our parents don't uh, know the Lord, but God can use them and speak through them. And so always be, there's something about honoring your father and mother that is so important to Uh, God's heart so again even when you become an adult you make your own decisions there still needs to that be that heart of honor God's kingdom is a kingdom where honor is part of the culture we honor one another 
Uh, we honor our uh, leaders and authorities. We honor our parents. And one of the things for me was that, and I wasn't planning to share this, but when I first got saved, I started to preach to my, my dad and my mom. And uh, my dad was quite a devout Catholic, but to hear the message, you must be born again, was a shock to the system. And I kept on preaching it that my parents had to sit me down and say, hey, Glenn, you know, uh, they started and said, you got to watch out, and uh, our family is this way. And, and so I start to pray, and Lord, what, th- what should I do? And the Lord said to me, just live the life. I had already preached and shared the message of God. Just live the life among them. Just live it. Just show them, serve them, help them. Uh, just live the life among them. And it was many years later that my mother received the Lord, and then my father prayed for Jesus to come into his heart. And my mom became a very, she's with the Lord now, but she became a radical, on-fire believer. But it was, bec- it was because I was, even as an adult, I was practicing honoring my father and mother. So if your parents aren't saved, that doesn't mean you dishonor them. That means you have to honor them more and pray for them. And uh, so that's what happened. And then uh, salvation came to our house. And I'm grateful, grateful for that and all that the Lord has done in my family. Let's move forward. And that's something you can practice, you know, like right after you leave here. Hey, Mom, I love you. <laughs> Give her a call. Uh, Dad, I'm thankful for you and all the sacrifices you've made. Moving forward, Proverbs 3, 7, and 8 gives us three points of wisdom that are like medicine. That's the, the idea of the Hebrew is that these things are like medicine. They're remedies. So it gives us three points of wisdom in Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. The first one is do not be wise in your own eyes. Again, when, we, when we're proud, we stop listening. We stop listening to the scripture. We stop listening to pastors. We stop listening to uh, godly authorities. We stop listening even to our parents. We become wise in our own eyes. We think we know it all. But wisdom teaches us to be humble, teachable. And not to be a know-it-all. Are you with me? We need the Father's eyes, His perspective on everything. And this means doing what is right in His eyes, as we read before in Exodus 15, 26. What your eyes see and focus on is important. So I want my eyes to be focused on the Lord. I want to have him always before me. Now, once our eyes get off the Lord, they get on other things, which bring, they, they, they bring us worry, they bring us anxiety, they sap the, the health and the life out of us. Uh, even sometimes looking at the church too much, because, you, you know, we had that article in the paper this week about uh, Brian Houston, and you look at that too much, and all of a sudden your eyes are off the Lord, and it's draining the life from you. Um, What about if we can get our eyes on each other? We can focus too much on one another, each other's sins. And this also can drain the life from us. We can get so focused on the busyness of life, the business of life, 
the, uh, the stress of life, that when we're focused on that, we start to lose the Father's perspective, we lose our focus, and it drains health from us. Even you see this, Anna mentioned it the other week, you see this with um, uh, Peter and John at the end of the Gospel of John. Peter is focusing on John. There's been some rumor that John's going to live forever. He's not going to die. Uh, of course, we have eternal life in Christ, but there's, it's like he's not going to die. And, and Peter was so focused on him. You can see there's a bit of a competitiveness in the Gospels between Peter and John. Peter, uh, what is it, John says he outruns Peter? Or is it Peter that outruns John? Who, who outruns who? It's John, right? <laughs> he's, he's the one writing it. <laughs> And Peter is tempted. Peter is tempted to focus on John. And the Lord said, no, 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 you follow me. Don't get your eyes on John and my dealings with John and what I'm going to do with John. Get your eyes on me. Follow me. And if you follow Jesus, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, there will be people that will fall who call themselves Christians, and by grace we pray that they get up. By grace we pray for restoration for them. There will be people that will hurt, hurt us, but we don't want to get our eyes on that. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, it brings life and health and healing to you. So this is all about this point of do not be wise in your own eyes, Get your wisdom from the Lord and keep your eyes on him. Uh, for me, when I was getting sick in 2019, I uh, lost my strength. And uh, the father spoke to me, and it had to do with an attack of Crohn's disease. And through that, the father spoke to me to slow down and keep pace with him. To slow down, I was doing too many things which were good things. Uh, they were, it seemed necessary things. But the Lord said, I want you to focus on what I've called you to do. Focus on preaching, teaching, and praying. Uh, of course, there's many things with ministry, admin things, and, and other things that come up. But I was pulled, and I was, I was giving too much of myself and the Lord said, I just want you to come back to what the focus of your call. Now, I was still doing, I was still focused on that, but I had so many other things that I, I really, uh, um, yeah, it was really taking the strength from me. And I got, to, some of you may not know this, I share this with some people, but I got to a place, and Adam knows it, where I couldn't walk um, about 100 meters or so, I would fall over. I was, it, I was afraid to cross the street because I might fall over. I, was, uh, it was, I couldn't go down escalators because it was disorienting. And, um, I, and so I had to learn to, I'm being very honest with you and open with you. I had to learn to walk again. By God's grace, I kept on teaching and preaching. And with Bible school, Anna would take me and, and, and hold my arm and carry me here. And somehow, when I would preach and teach, 
divine energy and strength. So I love preparing the word. I love preaching and teaching. Oh, I feel better. I feel like I could go climb a mountain, jump over a wall. And then maybe a couple hours later, I was struggling to walk and I had to build my stamina again. Well, thank God it's been uh, some time, but I'm getting better and stronger and walking and and driving more and uh, going down escalators with no problem. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord had in all of that, uh, the reason why I'm being vulnerable in sharing that, no man likes to share that stuff. You know? <laughs> but um, sharing it because I wanted to let you know that wisdom heals. And the Lord was giving me his wisdom about slowing down and keeping in pace. I knew, though, that that would cost me. It would be costly because people would get upset with me because uh, I couldn't meet every need. Um, but the Father gave me the grace to do what he wanted me to do. The wisdom was, do what I have called you to do, and I'll give you grace and strength. And uh, that happened. Hallelujah. You need the Father's wisdom rather than your wisdom to receive healing. So his wisdom, he has great, great wisdom for us. The second thing is that it says here in Proverbs 3, 7, and 8 is fear the Lord. Or as I translate it, reverence Yahweh. Reverence Yahweh. Fearing the Lord can be summed up with three words, and I talked about this in school, reverence, awe, and wonder. And I remember that as raw, <laughs> or if we reverse it, war. <laughs> wonder, awe, and reverence. This is what the fear of the Lord means. It doesn't mean running from God. It doesn't mean being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord means reverence and awe and wonder. It's living your life in submission and obedience to God. It's obedience to God that comes from the heart of reverencing God and standing in awe, uh, awe and wonder of Him and all He has done and is doing. Hallelujah. And this is all by grace. We obey by grace. We fear the Lord by grace. We are not wise in our own eyes by grace. And so this, this message is, is important to put it in the context of last week and what we talked about with grace. And this is why true worship from the heart is healing. Because when you're worshiping, if you're, doing, if you're truly worshiping God, what you're doing is you're reverencing Him. You're fearing Him. And so true worship brings healing. But also I want to give this word of warning in all these messages that I've been speaking, and I've been sharing this a few times, being sick does not mean you've committed sin. Being sick does not mean you've committed sin. There are many reasons why you can get sick. Now, if you sin, sin yes, you can be open to getting sick. But some people are real great singers, uh, not singers, but sinners. Some people are real big sinners, real great sinners, and they're like, hey, I'm strong, I'm healthy. Well, eventually it all falls apart for them. But we don't judge things by uh, just the physical. Receiving God's grace and obedience to God is the only way forward in healing. So you may not have committed a sin and you may have been sick, but 
see that it's God's grace and obedience to God that is the only way forward to healing. So don't condemn somebody, make them feel guilty for being sick, which Christian, Christians can tend to do because, hey, Jesus is your healer. Why aren't you healed? <laughs> Uh, but do see that obedience to God by his grace is the way forward that brings healing. See sickness as an opportunity to draw closer to God and lean on him more. So for me, that's what that, that season in 2019 was an opportunity when I was weak and sick my, it was an opportunity for me to draw closer to God and to lean on him more. That whole thing with the uh, battle with COVID with our family was an opportunity to draw closer to God. We couldn't go out. We were isolated. Some of you have been in that situation. It's an opportunity to grow closer to God, to, to draw nearer to him, to lean more on him. So some of my uh, most significant revelations of God have come when I have been weak and sick. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. This brings us to the third thing, before we get to talking more about the cross, is in Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, it says, turn from evil, turn from evil. This goes along with the first two things. Fearing the Lord involves turning from evil, not being wise in our own eyes involves turning from evil. Now, this is where everybody has some type of excuse. They say, well, what I'm doing is not evil. But the, the word in Hebrew, ra, is, can all be, also be translated as bad. So whatever is bad, whatever is wrong, whatever is not in alignment with Scripture, it may not be like what everybody calls evil, but if it's wrong, then we need to turn from it. So for me, I had to turn from doing all these things, and I had to come back to doing the central thing that God wanted me to do. And that meant turning from my own evil. It wasn't a great sin. The papers are not going to write, you know, Glenn, there's a controversy with Glenn. He's been meeting with too many people and telling them too much about Jesus. <laughs> it wouldn't be evil in the world's eyes, but for me... It was something that the Lord wanted to, to rein me in, to teach me to walk at his pace. And we see, look in John 5.13. We'll get to John 5.13 through 17. We have this man, he was paralyzed, he couldn't walk. I would like to... Well, I'd like to read this from verse 5. John chapter, John chapter 5, verse 5. How are you going, okay? Good, good. That's good to hear. Good hearty. Uh, yes. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? So what is Jesus looking for? He's looking for his response. Does he wish to get well? And one of my first experiences in Australia, I, I said this. I was out, I, I believe it was the Queen Street Mall, and said, hey, we can pray for you for your leg to be healed. And the person said, don't pray for me. I don't want to lose me pension. 
<laughs> Which this man had great faith because he believed that if I prayed for him, Jesus would heal him. <laughs> so don't pray for me because I don't want to lose me pension. <laughs> I think Chris may have encountered stuff like that on the streets too. Do you wish to get well? And that was the question that Jesus was posing to the man. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. So the, the story here is that they believed that an angel would stir the water and the first person who would jump in the pool would be healed. But Jesus comes to this man, and in verse 8, he says, Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet or your mat, and walk. And how does this man walk? It's surely from the word of God that is coming from Jesus' mouth, who is the word of God. The word of God is speaking to him life. It's empowering him. All Jesus says is get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And this brings healing and strength to him. Immediately, the man became well. How did he come, become well? Listening to Jesus. Jesus himself, who is the healer, our healer, he listens to Jesus. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now, it was on the Sabbath day, so that was con quite, con <laughs> quite controversial. And then verse 10, so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Now notice that Jesus isn't performing healings on a stage, as a show, or entertainment. This is one of the big uh, features of the Gospels. It's, it's always quite quiet and, and secret. Uh, he's not wanting the attention. First, verse 14, after Jesus found him in the temple, uh, afterwards, sorry, afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. What I, want you, what I want you to see here is a pattern of Jesus that he heals people by grace. He's not asking for a resume of, are you living righteous and righteously enough for me to heal you? Uh, what have you done over the last few weeks? He heals them by grace. But then he comes and he also teaches them to not sin. He says, do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. So I want you to notice the connection between grace and also uh, righteous living. Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. So again, this goes very well with what we read in Proverbs, but we have to always realize that grace comes first. And grace is what empowers us like that man to walk. And ultimately what God wants is he wants us to walk the word, to walk the word. And that paralyzed man being healed was a sign of that. This is something I, I've been working on, Grace, Titus 2, 11 through 14, and it's a new infographic, Grace. We need to have a, a good perspective of grace 
Because grace doesn't mean sloppy living. Grace means being empowered. So to live righteously. So let me read this to you. Uh, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. For God's grace has shown, revealing salvation to all people. This grace trains us to deny a lazy life without devotion to God. Like a father with his child, grace raises us to reject worldly lust, to act with self-control and common sense. Grace guides us to do what is right, living devoted to God here and now. Grace also moves us to look forward to our joyful hope, the glorious light-infused manifestation of the great God and our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus has purposely given himself for us to set us free from all sin, making us pure, a people that are his very own, zealous to do good works. So when you find teaching about grace that's sloppy or I can live however I want to live, then make sure you always go back to Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 14 and have that right perspective of grace, as well as John 5, 13 through 17, which says, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin, any, sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Many blessings on you, Missy, as you go to work. May the anointing and grace of God be on you. We love you. <laughs> great, great seeing you, Missy. Hallelujah. Sin is always our enemy because it brings sickness and death in its train. So sin is always our enemy because it brings sickness and death in its train. And so we have to watch out where we're thinking about grace that we don't fall into the idea is, oh, if, uh, if sin, if grace abounds when there's sin, if, uh, if where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, or when sin increases, grace much more increases, we have to watch out that we don't think, hey, let's sin more so that more grace can abound. Because Paul answers this in Romans, and he says, by no means. But don't do that, not at all. Uh, we died to sin. Jesus died to set us free from sin. That's what the cross is about. So sin, it, it, though God is gracious and forgives, let us remember that sin is always our enemy. Are you with me here? And it will always bring uh, sickness and death in its train. So let's get rid of it. Let's reject it. And let's realize what Jesus did on the cross to make us pure and clean. Moving forward. Oh, this is something I found this week. That apartment is fantastic. I can't believe it's so cheap. Can you figure out why? <laughs> There's a little sign next to it. Bagpipe lessons right next to the apartment. That was one of the challenges in the, uh, when we're meeting in the park is we're meeting in the park and usually about once a year the bagpipe club comes to play in the park and then you have to preach and, and, and worship over the bagpipes. It was tough. But they would always play Amazing Grace and I would say, hey! <laughs> Amazing Grace. I love the bagpipes though when they're played well and when they're not well, you know, it's not so good. It sounds like a dead dog or a cat. <laughs> a cat at the end of one of its nine lives. <laughs> <laughs> this brings me to the second, and this is almost the last point here. This is the main, main point. 
The greatest wisdom is found on the cross. The cross is the wisdom of God. And the greatest wisdom is found on the cross. So if you really want to understand wisdom, look to the cross. Understand the cross. Barbara was saying how lately she has just been longing to know the cross more and have a deeper revelation of the cross. And I commend Barbara for that. And I would say that's what we all need to do is just love the cross. Because all the mysteries are solved in the cross. But the cross is such a great uh, event, uh, such a great thing, that you can spend eternity searching it out and never come to the end. So we can spend every week talking about the cross and there's some aspect to explore, some more to fathom and more to uh, learn. The greatest wisdom is found on the cross. Since the greatest wisdom is found on the cross, the greatest healing is experienced through the cross. And this brings us to Numbers 21, 4 through 9. And I have it up on the board here. I mean, board. What am I, back in the 80s? (laughs) I have it up here on the screen. Yeah, the projector. <laughs> Do you remember the old one with the transparencies? Do you remember what were they called? Over, the overhead projectors? I still hit my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, the whirling and you'd put, put the things on there, uh, the transparencies. Those were good days, good days. <laughs> <laughs> so let's read this, Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. Listen to that. So this is the Israelites in the wilderness, and the people became impatient because of the journey. Have you ever been there? I have been there. So when I have read this, this has stuck out to me. It spoke to me because I've been there. I've been impatient in the journey. And this is how the Israelites felt, impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. So when they became impatient, what did they do? They spoke against God and Moses. And they stopped honoring their spiritual father, Moses. They said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And we loathe this miserable food. Then what happens is, then the, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. This is these venomous serpents. That's what is probably meant by fiery. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that, we, that, he, may, that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, a pole, like a flagpole. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. When he looks, notice the eyes. The eyes, which we saw in Exodus 15, 26, we see 
in Proverbs 3, uh, 7, and 8. Notice the eyes. When he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. So say one of these serpents came, it bit one of the people. The venom was starting to come through their body. They're beginning to die. Uh, what we would do today is we would rush them into the hospital. And please do that if that happens, if somebody gets bitten by a serpent. But what happens here is they would rush them in front of this pole with this bronze serpent on it and look at it. And if they looked at the bronze serpent, they would be healed. Now, this was a sign. It meant something. It was symbolic. And it's a sign of the cross. Now, if you read this here, as we just, we just read, uh, they complained that they had no food and no water. And that wasn't true. It wasn't true that they had no food and no water. Uh, but it just wasn't what they were happy with. They weren't content with it. And this is the thing, discontentment and accusing and speaking against people, this is all a sign of a greatest sickness in the heart. But when we're going through pressuring times, we often are like this. I have nothing. Uh, I like with the kids. They got like their whole room is filled with clothes. And when it comes to Sunday morning, I've got no clothes to wear. <laughs> But part of that is because they're growing quick. They're growing quick. <laughs> and so they're growing out of their clothes. A so part of it's true, but sometimes we're like this. We're like, I have no money. Well, we may have a little bit. And there may be $20 in the account. There's something. But we're like, I have nothing. That all, I have nothing complex. Well, they had, and it causes us to be resentful and discontented, and it causes sickness. The Israelites didn't value what God had given them. They resented both God and their spiritual father, Moses. They didn't see the big picture that they were going into the promised land, and their children were going into the promised land. Of course, they um, failed in believing the Lord. But they didn't see the big picture. They didn't see what God was doing. They didn't see that the Lord was there dwelling among them in a fiery pillar at night and a cloudy pillar by day, that he was with them, that the very manifest presence of God was with them in the tabernacle, that the God was causing water to come from the rock. God was raining manna from heaven. And he was doing all these signs, wonders, and miracles, and he turned the bitter water sweet. That was the first sign that we talked about last week. And that's where that whole revelation of Yahweh, uh, your healer, comes from. I am Yahweh, your healer, your restorer. So here it is. They're bit. They're, many of them are dying. Moses prays, God, please help us. And, and Moses intercedes for the people, and Yahweh gives him a strange solution. This is a strange solution. Make one of these fiery serpents and raise it on a pole. And all who look at the bronze serpent will be healed, restored back to life. So that's a very strange, very strange thing to do. Why do this? But he just followed the Lord's instructions. But we see that Jesus 
refers to this, and this is the, this is the verse that comes right before John 3.16. So you can't really understand John 3.16 unless you understand the story. You can't understand it fully. Uh, because that's, this is the context. John 3.14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So now as we compare the two, the two stories, what does believe mean? Believe means looking at Christ on the cross, beholding the cross, beholding him being lifted up, what he did on the cross, the atonement he made on the cross, and he took all our sins, all of our sicknesses, all of our griefs, all of our sorrows on himself. And there he is revealing the very heart of the Father, which is sacrificial on the cross. There's so much we can talk about. But notice how Jesus, observe how Jesus refers to the story. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have, uh, sorry, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Now, it's interesting it says in him because I think we always leave out this in him when it comes to believing. Listen to this closely. And this uh, NASB, I use it because it's very literal. It's not the best for reading, but uh, long passages. You can see I even tripped over it just before. But it's good for studying and bringing out everything in the original. So that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. In him speaks of dwelling in him. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of the branch being in the vine. So this is true faith is dwelling in the Lord. True faith is being intimate with him. And this is only possible through the cross and the life that the cross brings because that the Lord removes the obstacle of sin and the veil of our flesh too that keeps us away. How great is the cross and the grace of the cross. Now, this is, interestingly enough, this is the sign and symbol used as the logo for the medical community all around the world. Do you see it here? Yeah. We have, there's the pole, and we have two serpents here. Uh, but this whole sign comes from this story in Moses. So, there, if you just go to the hospital, you can preach the gospel. Now, you, you, our eyes need to be open because the gospel is everywhere. You see this on ambulances. You see this in hospitals. There's the serpent on the pole. So, you, so you're there, and you're, you're talking. The person's like, oh, you know, a dog bit me, and I'm just waiting. And all of a sudden, you say, oh, you see that there? Do you know what that means? No, no, I never really thought about it. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a story. And you can share the good news. You can share John 3.16 and, and what that means. So, <laughs> so what does the sign of the serpent on the standard mean? Let's talk about this some more. First, the Hebrew word for serpent is nahash, nahash, nahash. And nahash, there, there it is, nahash is... The same word used for the serpent in the garden. 
So this is the scent. Nahash is the same word used for the serpent in the garden. And as we know, it's the serpent in Genesis 3 that tempted Adam and Eve to sin and introduced death and disease into the world. Now, in ancient times, when someone put something on a standard or a pole, it meant they had overcome or conquered that thing. So you see with, with David, you know, after he, he cuts off Goliath's head. Sorry, children, you know. But <laughs> and he's holding up. He's holding up Goliath's head. It's I've conquered. And you'll find also in Scripture where the kings would put a heads on poles. It's we've conquered, we've conquered. And you'll find this as a part of the ancient society. So the serpent on the pole had a clear meaning. Yahweh had conquered the serpent. Yahweh had overcome the serpent that had caused all the havoc in the world, reminding, reminding us of Genesis 3.15. So when you go to Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head. This is speaking of the Messiah. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is God speaking straight to the serpent. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So the sign of the serpent being on the pole is a sign that the Lord has conquered, uh, and he has brought uh, victory. And they have overcome the serpent that introduced sin, death, and sickness into the world. There's more, too. There's one more thing. And we're coming to an end soon. Second, Jesus became like the cursed serpent on the cross so that he could free us from the curse of sin, sickness, and death. So Jesus became the curse for us. The very thing that attacked us, Jesus took on himself. So on the cross, he became like the serpent in that he was despised and rejected. Not that he sinned, he was sinless, but he took on all of the punishment of someone who would have been the greatest sinner in the world. Crucifixion. He took all of our sin, all of our sorrow, all of our sicknesses upon himself. And so up on the cross there, he looked mangled. He looked haggard. He was wounded. He was thirsty. He's also forgiving. And he's interceding. Now, interestingly, the serpent is a bronze serpent. And bronze sounds like serpent in Hebrew. So it's nehoshet. Uh, the two words are nahash nehoshet. Nahash nehoshet. Nahash is serpent. Nehoshet is bronze. They're almost spelled the same, except bronze just has one letter at the end of it, which is the tav. So it's nahash nehoshet. Now, what does this have to do? Why is it a bronze serpent? Well, in the tabernacle, you see all bronze. And what was the altar made out of? Bronze. The altar was made out of bronze. It was the bronze altar. So the bronze speaks of sacrifice. It also speaks that the animal is taking the judgment for the people, for their sins. It's, a, it's sacrificial. And so the bronze is pointing to 
the fact that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice and that Jesus is God and, and God and man in one. The ultimate sacrifice. Listen to Isaiah 52. We'll get to 53, 4, and 6. This is what we read last week. We'll get to that, but let's go to the beginning of Isaiah 52, 13, where this comes from. And we're drawing near to an end soon. I feel like the time has flown by, but it's, yeah, it's almost time to end. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Now, this is the part that I want you to see that reminds us of the serpent on the pole. Just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. This is a prophecy 600, more than 600 years before Christ. So his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he, thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him for what had not been told them they will see and what they had not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. No appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. Can you, can you think of anything more despised than a serpent that is biting you? and bringing death, and yet there it's on the pole, and look, look at it. And here it's saying he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows. Before that, it says he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Now going over, that brings us to here, and, and to this uh, translation that I've been doing. I was reading from the NASB, and now I'm transitioning to this. Yes, the burden of our sicknesses he lifted up, the weight of our soul's sorrows he carried away. We even arranged to afflict him. We devised for God to strike him dead like a wretch, yet he was struck down for our crimes, crushed like powder for our sins. The discipline for our shalom, our genuine peace and wholeness, fell on him. It's by his wounds we are healed, restored, and made whole. All of us like a flock wandered away, each turned from his way, yet Yahweh moved him to intercede for the sins of us all. Amen. Amen. This brings us to our last point. Oh, here's something I found. Before we, our last point is just more of a summing or conclusion. Why would a fly land on something like this? It's one of these Venus fly traps. <laughs> Valerie likes the Venus fly trap. <laughs> there's a, then there's a rat trap. Rats should be ashamed for falling in this trap. And then there's a bear trap. Bears, this is ridiculous. 
How could you not know it's a trap? And then he's like, this must be fun, Facebook theology group. <laughs> it's funny, the theology groups and what goes on in social media, media, everybody thinks they have opinion and they know what is right, and it ends up being a trap, and instead of bringing life, it brings controversy, and it sucks the life out of you. So watch out for anything that's sucking the life out of you. Look to the cross. And this brings us to the third, last concluding point here. Behold the cross to receive healing. As they looked to the serpent on the pole, they were healed. This was a sign of something greater. Christ on the cross. And when we look to Christ on the cross, he heals us because he took all the sin and sickness and death on us. Now, sometimes we're instantly healed of something. Other times, what the Lord is teaching us is to keep on gazing at the cross. As you keep on gazing at the cross, the process of healing and restoration happens. So don't get into this idea of, if God doesn't heal me instantly, he's not healing me. God loves to take his time doing things too. It took six days to create the heavens and the earth, rested on the seventh. He took uh, around 4,000 years to send Jesus on the cross. So the Lord, he does take time too. Sometimes he heals instantly. Sometimes he has us in a process. But what I can tell you is this. If you have unveiled eyes, if you ask the Lord to open up your eyes to see the cross, give me a greater revelation of the cross. Show me more of the beauty of the cross. Show me more of its power. As you gaze on the cross, it heals you. It delivers you. It sets you free. There is where the true healing is. It's on the cross. So pray that the Father opens your eyes to the cross because you will find true healing for your spirit, soul, and body. And the greatest healing of all is eternal life, which flows from the cross. We saw that Jesus saying, if you look to me, if you believe in me, you will find in me Eternal life. Eternal life. The greatest healing of all is eternal life, which flows from the cross. So, amen. Ooh, that's, that's it there. Let's stand. We're going to pray. And my, my heart's desire is that we would look at the cross and we would be healed through this message. So just as we stand... In conclusion, first we learn that wisdom heals. And then we discover the greatest wisdom is found on the cross. And lastly, we saw that by beholding the cross, you receive healing. I'm going to invite up Anna in a second. Father, right now we want to thank you that we're in the city. And right here in the center city, I believe this is strategic, we lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up the cross. We lift up the mighty name of Jesus. We come here not in our name, but in your name, that you would be lifted up in Brisbane and that people all across Brisbane would look to you and find healing. In the government, they would find healing in the cross. In the businesses, they would find healing in the cross. That in the medical community, they would find healing in the cross that all across in the entertainment world, they would find healing in the cross. 
and that we would be ministers of healing and that we would lift up the cross as, as Moses took that, that uh, pole and lifted up the serpent. We would be like Moses lifting up the cross and that as we lift up that standard, we would see miracles, signs, and wonders. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning. The Lord is putting that pole in your hand. He's putting that rod, that standard in your hand. And he's saying, lift it up. Don't keep it down. Lift it up. Make it known. Through your life, through your words, make it known. Because through it, people will be healed. And Father, as a community, you want us to be healed. You want us to be being healed. And you want us to bring healing. So let, let us be like Moses and minister healing to the death that's out there. That we would be ministers of eternal life. And, um, and this is a good time. If you have any sickness in your body, we're going to believe for healing right now. Just raise your hand. And any sickness, anything that you're, you're struggling with in your body or in your heart, your soul, just lift up your hand. We're believing for grace. I've been praying for this. Lord, I'm praying for the grace of healing that comes through your cross for each person here. The insides healed. The bones healed. The, the organs healed. The hearts healed. The soul healed. The, the holistic, Lord, healing for the, the heart and the soul and the mind and the body. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, strengthen your people, give life to your people, and open up our eyes so we can see the cross. Open up our eyes to behold the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to, before we finish, we'll just have a song of worship. I just want us to soak in.